and welcome back to another episode of Animation Broadcast and Cinema. And today is a very special episode. As always, I'm your host, Bo Allen. I'm Jacob Rodier. And we have a little game planned. Uh, I wanted to mix it up. I did not want to do any news. I didn't want to do any Spider-Man talk because next week is just going to be the Spider-Man episode for the first half, I'm, I mean, I'm sure, you know, I, it's going to be spoilers everywhere. We're both seeing this movie day one. We're very excited. Um, You're seeing it day zero. I am seeing it day zero. Uh, in 24 hours, by the time this podcast comes out, well, no, not by the time this podcast comes out. 12 hours after this podcast comes out, I'll be walking into the theater. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm pumped. Uh, I don't have much to say on that i I don't want to get too sidetracked i'm just going to explain our game uh i kind of got this idea i mean i definitely did not come up with this idea myself it's a little bit lifted from uh the ringer big picture show they do these movie drafts but those have a ton of rules and that can get a little complicated so what i wanted to do with uh this show is not necessarily a draft we're just going to pick our top fives from like a genre or a year. This will not be the last time we do this. So we're doing our top five Christmas movies. And so the way it's going to work is we can't pick the same one uh, for this genre specifically, because a lot of these Christmas movies turn into franchises. Uh, If you draft one, if you pick one, then you pick that franchise pretty much. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's no like, I take Home Alone, Jacob takes Home Alone 2, you know. Uh, and I'll take three another, and four, you can take one yeah. and two. <laughs> the new one? Yeah. <laughs> I just want just the new one. Yeah. Um, and then another part of this is we'll explain our reasoning behind our pick right after we give it, of course. And um, we're this is our first time doing this, uh, so y'all will be learning just as much as we are. And. We're gonna put out a poll. I'll try and put out a graphic uh, of everybody's of our picks, not everybody's picks. Um, we just wanted to try something different. Not we split it up with, you know, interviews and such around here, guest stars. So now I thought it would be fun to play a little game in the in in the year with a little game. Yeah, switch it up for the holidays. All right. Um, so we've spent the day pretty much preparing our lists for this game. Uh, I'm ready. Are you ready? I'm ready. Who's gonna go first? You're going to go first. I'm going to give you first pick. Why? Why? Because you're, uh, at, you're at a disadvantage. Because I'm Jewish? Because uh, you're Jewish, yes. Fair enough. I'll take it. <laughs> it's a handicap. I'm like in <laughs> golf. I'm giving you a stroke. Yeah, uh, fair enough. Um, <laughs> all right. My first choice. Ooh. All right, I'm just going to take it off the board because it's coming anyways. So I'm going to take Home Alone. All right, Home Alone franchise, specifically one and two. I don't, I don't count three and four as part of the. I franchise. agree with that. Yeah. Maybe for like super young audiences, three and four, but nah, for for our for my generation, one and two, those are the goats. Three never happened, actually. Um, yeah. Last I checked. No, that's washed <laughs> out of my brain. So. It's like yeah. Caddyshack too. It never happened. Home Alone are just like it's the classic movie. I literally watch it every year. It doesn't get old. Um. It's just a fantastic movie all around, and it's just fun to watch these two idiots get banged up by this little kid in this house of horror. <laughs> house of horror. It is a horror movie. <laughs> it really is. Like, they get tortured. Um, like, it is like slapstick comedy a little bit where they just get banged around, but, like, that stuff must hurt. 
the tarantula always scared the hell out of me when I was getting a kid. kicked in the nuts. The, the, the burning nuts. of the doorknob too. It's like, ugh. Uh, painful it, i feel like watching it, as an adult as i'm getting older i start to sympathize more with the robbers because they're getting tortured so hard uh except for the robbery part yes yeah besides that but. um is that joe pesci's most famous role <laughs> i've i've I, I know it sounds like a joke but i definitely think it is no not at all dude do you, what, what in do terms you think of you're... acting in terms of acting, like, what do you think he's most well-known for? I promise you, 90% of America has seen Home Alone, and, like, 60 have seen Goodfellas. He is 100% known for Goodfellas. I, when, I, I, when I hear Joe Pesci, I do not think Home Alone. But, dude, I, I, but I bet for the first 12 years of you, your life you did. Uh no, I didn't really know who Joe Pesci was when I was that young. I'm just like, oh, it's just a, a when, guy. When you saw him, you'd think, okay, Home Alone. Maybe but, I don't know. I really think I think he's known for <laughs> for Goodfellas, but but Home Alone, yeah, maybe more people have seen him in Home Alone overall. That's my point. That's my point. That's what he's most known for. It's just, mm. Unfortunately, has become his defining role. I believe. Sure, that's his masterpiece. All right. Um. But yeah, Home you Alone is my first choice. One and two, specifically. Have you have you said your piece? Do you, you got any, everything out? Yeah, that's it for Home Alone. I mean, it's a classic. I think everyone knows that. I think everyone knew it was going to get chosen. So, yeah. All right. I am very excited for my pick. This is a Christmas classic, at least in my house. Um, it's very near and dear to my heart. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Ooh, yep. It's just, my family watches it every year. We quote the living shit out of it. Mm-hmm. It is, every line makes me laugh. Um, some really good Randy Quaid in this movie before, you know, he went crazy. <laughs> um, and he was, he was playing an insane person, so maybe it was a little prequel. Uh, I think Merry Christmas Shitters Full is said <laughs> every year in my house. It uh, <laughs> yeah, a lot of quotes the, in this movie. The Clark Griswold uh, <laughs> rant, uh, "Hallelujah, holy shit!" Greatest rant of all time. Mm. Uh, we're just gonna be the hap hap happiest Christmas since Bing Crosby tap danced with Danny fucking K. <laughs> it is the. I mean, it's awesome. The 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 bits in it are hilarious. The family is absurdly wacky, and I think a lot of people can like relate to that. Um, just with any holiday, seeing family, mm-hmm. any family reunion, it's uh, it's really great. Yeah, it's definitely a classic. When did that come out again? Uh, I believe it was nineties, uh, eighty nine. I was off by a year. Mm. Yeah. Also, him. It's it's I've never wanted to drive to the Pacific Northwest and get my own tree, but man, that movie really makes you <laughs> want to do it. It's so funny, just Can't top relate. to bottom. It <laughs> it doesn't miss. Well, you don't get Christmas trees, so we do not. <laughs> we get our metal menorah. You get a menorah. Yep, that we buy from Amazon. <laughs> the, it's very exciting pushing the the, the purchase button. The annual trek to. <laughs> yeah track to the computer in the office (laughs) huddle around the computer (laughs) all right you're up next 
Oh boy. So we have five picks total, right? Five picks. Oh man. You're on oh, man. Two. I gotta choose based on what I think you're gonna choose. Hmm. That's a strategy. See, this is the this is the interesting part of this game is you can choose to screw me over. You can choose based on your own heart and your own desires, or you can choose what people you think will what you think people will vote for. It's yeah. a very I mean, I'm going to save my curveballs for the end because there's no way you're going to choose them. So I'm going to go. Yeah, I'm going to go Polar Express. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> How did you know I liked that one? Oh, really? Are you going to choose that? Dude, that was my next pick. Oh, I love that movie. Got him. Oh, my God. I mean, yeah, it's a classic. I feel like not even just on like the Christmas side of things, but just like the holiday season. That movie just like. <sighs> It's a pinnacle to my childhood, I feel like. I like that was one of the first I don't know if it's the first animated movie I've seen, but it was definitely one of the first like animated movies that like stuck with me for a while. Yeah. Um it was very just like magical and, and like the fantasy behind it. It like it just swept me away, especially watching it as a kid. Um also looking watching it like now is very weird because the animation style is like super it's not even old, it's just weird. Like it was very distinct, the animation style. Um, mm-hmm. a lot of the, uh, the kids and the people look very awkward. Um, but that, that kind of is part of it. Like, it's just this weird, like mysterious world that it's, that is its own thing. That I don't know. You just get lost in. Yeah. It is without a doubt. Um, one of one. Mm-hmm. And it, I, I love it every year. It, it is one of those things to me. Like I usually watch that one actually like by myself on Christmas Eve, not even with my family. <laughs> I don't know why. Like I remember, I mom, dad, I gotta go watch Polar Express. Give me two well, hours. It's it's usually after we, like we get drunk as hell watching <laughs> Christmas Vacation, but um, and like everybody's going to sleep. But I remember just reading that book a ton when I was little and oh, just yeah. loving it. And then the movie came out. I'm pretty sure I saw it in theaters. Yeah, I did too. And ever since then, it's like had this weird hold on me. And now that animation that weird 3d animation is kind of like has it's come back around and been like made fun of a little bit but it was very of of that time and i think we were still kind of figuring out how this 3d cgi animation would look yeah uh especially it it, kind of added to it too just because it was so distinct and unique um like it added to the whole like uh surrealism of it almost right uh it's uh, Robert Zemeckis directed it too. Like, mm-hmm. it, it's got its freaking chops, you know. Like oh, yeah. <laughs> Tom Hanks balling out. It's got a cast, man. It's got a team behind it. I love it. Yeah, I'm not even like a train guy, but that train was <laughs> no, awesome. I'm not a train guy at all, but uh, you know, definitely when I was younger, I'm sitting up like hoping I hear it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think when we were when I was in. This is such like a a memory, a core memory only to me that I don't think many people will relate to. But um, when we were in like kindergarten, I think our teacher like read us the Polar Express and gave us all little bells. Oh wow! And I'm I think I lost mine like before I even got home and cried. <laughs> Not to mention, "Believe" by Josh Groban is like a top five Christmas song all time for me. It's so good. But also giving little kids bells in the middle oh. of school was a terrible idea. Terrible idea. Horrible. 
They're probably rigging those things all through the hallways. God, I was so excited to take that one. I cannot believe you got that from me. Yeah, I mean, it's too iconic of a movie. Wow. It's just like a staple of, like, I guess your and my childhood. Yeah, I don't know. All right. I got I'm, I'm looking at my list now, panicking. <laughs> yeah, you're right. up. I am very confident in this pick. I actually did not. I, I didn't really come around on this one until very recently. And, like, I was just recently able to see the genius behind it. It's the Muppet Christmas Carol, Ooh. 1992. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Caine is Scrooge. It's so good. Um, and, of course, a, a wonderful cast of Muppets. Yeah. The the Muppets, uh, I, I mean, I grew up loving Muppet stuff, actually. So it's not like I was just now coming around to it. But I feel like the Muppet Christmas Carol wasn't played a lot in my house. Like, I just, I watched, like, the Muppet movie a lot when I was younger. I know I watched Muppet Treasure Island a lot. Um, I think I even watched, like, the Space Muppets movie. I did, too. (laughs) And um, also, like, the Baby Muppets on Cartoon Network and stuff like that. I was all about that stuff. But never really the Muppet Christmas Carol. And last year, with Disney Plus coming online i like looked back at it and watched it one time in december and i was like this fucking rules it's so funny and it's really contemplative too um rizzo the rat and gonzo are hilarious in it (laughs) so it's top tier rizzo and gonzo (laughs) i mean i feel like of all the muppet specials i feel like the christmas one is like at least top three it it is top three. It might be top one, honestly. Yeah, I mean it's hard um, to beat the Muppets, like the original movie. Um, but yeah, the Christmas one is definitely up there. I'm looking at some of uh, the quotes right now, and I mean they're just fantastic. <laughs> um, Rizzo the Rat, boy, that's scary stuff. Should we be worried about the kids in the audience? Gonzo, nah, it's all right. This is culture. <laughs> Sam the Eagle being the school teacher is so funny when he has to correct himself like two or three times instead of saying the American way and say the British way because <laughs> mm. it's set in England. It's so good. Yep. And um, also the Christmas Carol in itself is a, a classic, you know. It's been done a million times. Um, one that I watched a ton growing up but I don't have on my list uh, is the Mickey Christmas Carol, the Mickey Mouse one with with – yeah, McDuck. I never really watched um, that one that much, but I, I remember seeing it at least once. I watched that one way more, but and it probably would have made this list had I not revisited the Muppet Christmas Carol last year, because that's how good this is. Mm. And they also did that, uh, I think the same, uh, Robert Zemeckis, yeah, did a, uh, a Christmas Carol with Jim Carrey uh, in the same style as Polar Express. That was like the fo- their follow-up movie. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a story that lives on, and I just think the Muppets <laughs> told it the best. And, you know, who who doesn't like Michael Caine? Right. All right, that's all you, buddy. All right, number three. Hmm. Oh, so many options, man. All right, I'm going to go... I'm going to go Bad Santa. Bad Santa that's was... That's a great one. Yeah, it was just a classic for me. Um... I don't know why, but I just watched it a ton growing up. Um, I don't know if it's because it was like so different than everything else I've seen, because 
up till that point, I really only seen like the the wholesome family Christmas Santa movies. And this one is just so out of left field. It's just the complete opposite. I mean, Billy Bob Thornton just plays a drunk the whole time. And it's amazing. Just watching him shit on all these kids in, those, in these malls. Um, Tony Cox is hilarious throughout the whole thing, too. And just their little duo is, is so great. Um, yeah, I don't know what it is. It's just like it just kind of like makes fun of Christmas, but also is like it still has that Christmas spirit to it, too, the whole movie. Um yeah, just a classic. I always think of that scene of the um, the really, really fat kid who sits on top of him <laughs> with the curly hair <laughs> who asks uh, for uh, Santa's fatherly advice <laughs> um, and just gives him the shittiest advice possible. It's uh, it's I love Bad Santa. Billy Bob Thornton is great. He's mm-hmm. a super underrated actor. I think we need that. We need to get to oh, him yeah. a little bit more. Um, I'm on the IMDb just looking at stuff about it and. <laughs> One great, this is the like trivia right at the top. Uh, Billy Bob Thornton said he was genuinely intoxicated during some of the filming. Uh, in, I bet. In, in the escalating falls, escalator fall scene, he passed out after drinking three glasses of red wine for breakfast, followed oh. by vodkas and cranberry juice, then a few Bud Lights. Oh, man. I mean, he I looks to, drunk in that movie. I need to party with Billy Bob Thornton. That's hilarious. He actually looks wasted throughout the entire thing. You can see it in his face. I think that's what makes um, it so good, though. Yeah, bad, bad Santa though is is classic stuff. I'm a big big fan of that. Of that. Yeah, I think I movie. think it really is just because I just was so used to like these wholesome Christmas movies that I didn't know this type of movie existed, and then this came out, and I was like, oh my god, this is amazing. And it's still funny <laughs> it, to this day. It's, it's it's great. It definitely holds up. Yeah, comedy still stands. All right, my turn. You ready? You done? Yeah, number three for you. So I'm already my short list. My top five is is gone. Oh damn! I mean, not all of it. Not all of it. Oh, it's okay. just Polar Express really threw me for a loop. <laughs> um, all right. I think I'm gonna go with Tim Allen's The Santa Claus. Oh, I had that on my list. Yes. Was that a Disney movie? Well, actually. Well, okay, because you took that one, I had specifically on mine Santa Claus 3, the escape clause. Well, I'm getting all three. Yeah. Santa um, Claus 3 is personally my favorite. So the Santa Claus, I was right, it is a Disney movie because, I mean, yep. that, that you want to talk about a staple. That is played, all three of them, just like once a week during December, probably starting from Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. All three, like they just marathon them oh, yeah. on the Disney Channel. And, I mean, it's people it's it's fully come around too it's like back in like our like pop culture lexicon or maybe it never left because i've been seeing all these conspiracy videos going around recently about how like tim allen's scott calvin is always santa claus and he's like it's like a time loop situation oh and and like that's why there's elves sprinkled throughout the film like even before he gets the suit like he's being followed by elves and like interesting it's it's already known who his wife is gonna be and all this stuff and like uh who plays his boss in the movie peter boyle Mm -hmm. becomes father time like it's all it's it's this insane conspiracy theories popping up around it and i was just reminded of it recently and i was like damn those movies ruled i'm oh, they I, ruled I, so hard oh it's great I'm to probably me gonna... like when i think of santa claus i think of tim allen 
He really does. He does a great Santa. He embodies Santa to me. Like that's immediately who I think of when I think of Santa Claus. While uh, Santa Claus Three isn't my favorite, that is definitely his most Santa looking, almost to the point where it looks. I mean, I know it's a movie, almost to the point though it looks overtly fake. Yeah, it's crazy, and just Martin Short as Jack Frost. Martin Short, unreal. Martin Short's always a win. He's his, never lost. His hairdo is crazy. The spiked hair is all blue. If you go look at these pictures uh, on IMDb of like the you know the set photos they take, yeah, for the for the entry, his face looks like it's almost made of porcelain. There's probably so much shit on his face to keep yeah, that but, hair up. But that's kind of what you want in a Santa Claus, though. Like you don't want him to look like a real person, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know. There's just something about Tim Allen, man. He just embodies Santa. He's he's definitely a fatherly figure, mm-hmm. and that's what you want out of a Santa Claus. Um, I think Tim Allen is very like is seen that way to us because we we kind of grew up with him. I mean, definitely his Buzz Lightyear, mm-hmm. uh, the Santa Claus, and then Home Improvement. Um, yeah. It ended in 1999, but I was born in 1998, and they're showing reruns oh, on yeah. that was big. Nickelodeon all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched it all the time. Yep, it's everywhere, and he just had great dad energy. Yeah, I so I, I Googled um, the Santa Claus movies. Uh-huh. Uh, I just sent you a link. Apparently, there's a, the Santa Claus 3, the Escape Clause, Game Boy Advanced video game. What? <laughs> what? They made video games of these movies? That's how That's big they were. awesome. Yeah. I kind of want to buy it and play it now. I am definitely intrigued by it. That might need to be a. Uh, I wish I still had my Game Boy. I was oh gonna say, my you god! Still have a Game Boy. So I, I just clicked on the link to purchase it. All right, so don't don't look. Guess how much it costs to buy this game. A hundred and fifty dollars. You ready for this? One cent. It's literally what? one cent on Amazon. Point <laughs> oh one. The way you reacted to that, I thought it was like gonna be some super rare game. No shit. Wait, I have a deep memory of playing this game. Really? Yes, you just unlocked wow. a memory for me. I mean, it's one cent. I feel like I have to buy it now. How much is a Game Boy? Yeah, that's probably the expensive part. That's probably like 200 bucks. Or I wonder if you can get it in an emulator. Oh, you probably can, actually. It's a good idea. But yeah, one cent for a video game? Who can deny that offer? The Santa Claus, the Escape Claus video game. Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> I'm looking at the reviews. This one guy says, you'd rather have coal in your stocking than this video game. <laughs> That's a great review. <laughs> Love it. Um, I'll have to play it soon then. Get some nostalgia. All right. Let's, let's, uh, you, if you order it now, you can get it by t- December 23rd. Perfect. I, th- I think this Just is a must time. order. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's move on. You're up all right. Next. Number four. <clears throat> yeah oh, oh my god boy. i'm not even sick anymore i think i inhaled uh, dust <coughs> oh my god i think i was gonna go santa claus all right let's see here um all right i'm gonna go yeah okay i'm gonna go die hard Oh wow! I know we uh, it's it might be recency bias, but I just uh, when I watched it again, I fucking loved it. It was awesome. It rules. Yeah, 
I mean, say what you want if it's a Christmas movie or not, but I'm counting it. This Die Hard is fucking awesome. I mean, we have we have whole podcasts on on it. You can go listen to it if you want, but yeah, I just I fucking love this movie um, from start to finish. It's just like the perfect movie. I'll always watch it during Christmas time. Um, but now I'm gonna watch it in full at Christmas time every time. Not even if it's just on TV. Um, um, yeah, I mean, there's not much to say because we already talked about it, but it's awesome. I I thought about putting Die Hard on here for a similar reason you know it was never really in my christmas rotation but Mm -hmm. it really really hit this time around for me and i i struggled with it because you know we did just do a podcast on it i feel like your list now has beaten mine no matter what unless i make like a a major play here um well i have an iconic last one so we'll uh, see we'll see i think i'm about to snatch it but die hard it really, it's it's not, it's never been in my tradition, so I, di- I didn't, I didn't feel like I should go for it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, and also, it's the, it's not as Christmassy to me. I understand it, but it never, it doesn't really feel like it to me. I don't know yeah. why. They're like, and we've discussed this before. Like, Star Wars feels super Christmassy to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I watch those every Christmas. More than uh, Die Hard, do you think? A hundred percent. I and I don't know why because that's about a ancient space war. Mm-hmm. But it just, especially um, Empire Strikes Back, that whole movie. Beside, not even just the Hoth stuff, feels very Christmassy to me. I mean, I don't Return think I ever watched a Star Wars movie in the summer. That's a great point. Um, they always release around Christmas time as well. Yep. Um, it just it's it's weird. It sets it apart. All right, uh, my pick here. I'm going Elf. Okay, that was on my list too. I was just, I was debating between Die Hard and Elf. Man, I here's the thing, and I'm probably gonna get some flack for this. I don't particularly love this movie. I totally did. Why is it it on your list then? I thought you were gonna take it. I, I was thought that take was. It I thought that's what your last one you were talking about was and hyping up. Oh no, that's not the one I'm hyping up. But um, that was on my list. So. So here's my thing. I like I like it a lot. It's very very funny. Um, it's probably Will Ferrell's. I think it's his bet his funniest movie besides Old School. I think he's funnier in really? Old School. I think he's I think, funnier in Anchorman. I I like Anchorman a lot too. Or Step Will, Brothers. Will Ferrell's honestly he's very hit or miss for me. His highs are super high. But I agree. His lows to mediums can not always be great i agree i i think i'm just burned out on this one and that's why i'm not very into it or not as into it as i used to be yeah i think this movie is definitely the most played christmas movie on tv besides a christmas story sure yeah i mean anytime during the month of december if i'm scrolling through the channel guide elf is always playing no matter what yeah it's always playing um it's got a hell of a cast though it does. I mean, Will Ferrell, uh, Bob Newhart as Papa Elf, he is maybe the best part of it. Actually, he's genuinely funny and gets very real laughs from me. Yeah. Zoe Deschanel, Ed Asner, Peter Dinklage, Andy Richter, Artie Lang is really funny in it. Um, and, of course, one of my favorite actors ever, Jimmy Kahn, showing mm-hmm. up here. Um, it is – it's very funny. It's – 
the cast list is just is just funny to look at. I mean, the Zoe Deschanel shower scene is one of my favorite scenes ever. It's that's a that's a creepy but also very sweet scene because yeah. he's. <laughs> it is low-key very creepy but yeah it's like he doesn't he doesn't know any better is the thing yeah but yeah you feel for it's him. yeah um i think at certain points the whole shtick of it gets a little tiresome i i feel like it does because once you've seen it you kind of i don't know it's hard to relive that again uh my favorite scenes have definitely changed as i've gotten older mm. um are you sympathizing like, more with the family than will a little bit. Um, yeah. Bob Bob Newhart's just very like over it jokes and sarcasm mm-hmm. is just entirely up my alley now, um, and I love him getting drunk. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah, What's I mean, it's just, it's a classic movie. Um, the angry little elf joke, though, I think that has been entirely overplayed. It does not make me laugh anymore. My friends used to say that to each other all the time when we were in like middle school. It was, it's, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of it. Yeah. All right. You made, you tricked me into going to one, into one I don't really <laughs> love. All right. All right. You're up. My final choice. Yeah. All right. This one is an a, iconic Christmas movie. I've, I've seen it probably over 10 times. I haven't seen it recently, probably in the past, like three or four years, but this one is just a staple, at least in my uh, Christmas tradition. I don't know. I don't know why that is, but it's just one of the most uh, wholesome, entertaining, funny, um, thrilling uh, Christmas movies ever. And that is Merry Christmas, Drake and Josh. Oh, what a play. Wow. That movie is just incredible. I mean, it. One is Drake and Josh. You you can't beat Drake and Josh. They're just the iconic duo. But now taking place during Christmas and in California too, of all places. Um, I forget the crazy guy who throws huge blocks Steve. of cheese. Steve. He throws huge blocks of cheese into the um, shredder and just makes it snow cheese. It's incredible. It's heartfelt too with the little girl and having to um. Uh, I, f- I forget what the exact thing was. Um, she was adopted, right? It was like a whole adopted, and they had to like take care of give her. Give a they have to give a foster family the best Christmas ever. Or right, right, years yeah, in best jail. Christmas ever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's just a great movie all around. Um, it has the Christmas spirit too throughout the whole thing. Um, it's definitely up there for. I think it might be number one for my favorite Drake and Josh special too. Um, but whenever it's on Nickelodeon, I'm always watching it, no matter what. It's just a great movie all around. Wow, that's a hell of a pick. Um, I was really hoping I could go check the runtime, and it was just the length of like a, an hour or like a extra no, it's long a movie. episode. Yeah, I was really hoping I could get you on the technicality to get <laughs> that off of your list. Man, it's an hour and a half long. It is yeah. ninety minutes. It's a movie, all right. Oh, it's that's Drake a and great Josh, one. the movie. Uh, that's fantastic. Also, yeah, it's like I feel like that was prime Drake and Josh too. Um, their haircuts are so great. Look at their haircuts right now. They're so weird. Yeah, that's that was an era for haircuts. <laughs> oh man, yeah, everyone had the Drake cut, kind of like the Bieber cut almost. If you, I'm looking at the quotes. Um, 
you know, looking back on it, a lot of this stuff has turned into like a, a little cringy for me because like a lot of it, a lot of like these Nickelodeon shows and like particularly iCarly, I think suffered from this a lot is like the random comedy where just like random somebody dancing. Well, yes, that is a that is an example, but also like somebody will end a sentence with a funny word or you know like something you didn't expect and oh that's comedy um i don't that, know i feel like the humor still holds up at least in this movie yeah well that anytime that, megan says you boobs i always laugh yeah. that suffers from that a little bit here i think it's a little bit with the crazy steve stuff kind of does that mm, sure. um but <laughs> yeah crazy <laughs> steve is like a wild character <laughs> it's uh it's jerry trainer yeah while I, I was just kind of shitting on iCarly, and I really don't like that show, I never really did, um, I think his, his like, turn, his his role as Spencer, the brother in that show, is he was the best genuinely character. hilarious. Yeah, yeah. like, he got, his, he got his flowers a little bit on Twitter a few months ago, and, like, it, his, they were posting old jokes of his that he would get off, and they... they rule so hard i mean also the art sculptures he made too were incredible yeah (laughs) the bottle man i love that one i think the the funniest thing i've ever seen him say and it will make me crack up every time is when he comes up that apartment in the elevator and he's got an ostrich and a smoothie (laughs) yeah and and she's like what do you have what you got there and he goes smoothie (laughs) it's it's so stupid that it's hilarious and his line delivery yeah his timing is great it's Amazing. I don't know why he's not in more stuff. Like, I feel like he could be a really, really yeah. good, like, character actor. I always you know? thought about that. Like, I feel like when seeing him in Drake and Josh and in iCarly, like, he was, like, a star. I'm shocked he didn't get into, like, more comedy movies or shows or things like that. You got you bring him onto a show or a movie, and you have him hit, like, five lines really hard. Mm-hmm. And he, like, just five scenes, and he will kill it for you. I mean, him doing Crazy Steve was dedication. Um, there's bits, bits of that work super well, and the only reason they do is because of him. Like, any other yep. actor, I feel like it comes across as the, oh, just write random shit and people will laugh uh, stereotype of, of Nickelodeon stuff. Mm-hmm. But his delivery of it makes it work really well. Yeah, and just him throwing blocks of cheese. Into, <laughs> you see, that's another show. one of the. That's another one of those things that's like oh, random comedy, but like with him, he makes it believable. Like, yeah, and it's it and pulls it's just it off so, so well. absurd that it, it's so funny. <laughs> I laugh every time. Oh, it's great. Is this um, cheese? Um, <laughs> But yeah, and uh, this movie is just—it's a classic. The little girl is so cute too. I think she does a great job. The whole family was great. Um, the annoying like older brother too—he was—he was so sassy, and I feel like I always hate him no matter what when I'm watching that. But that's because he just does such a great job. Um, yeah, I mean it's just a. Oh yeah, and also Henry Winkler is the judge yeah. in this movie. Yeah, the Fonz baby. Yeah, who decides if Drake and Josh go to jail? Um. Yeah, it's just it's an iconic movie. I, I watch it every Christmas, especially when I was a kid on Nickelodeon. It was just it's great. <laughs> that is awesome. And I it, didn't know you were. It so has dedicated. to be on my list. Yeah, it had to be. Um. But yeah, that's right, my well, list. I guess. Mine. Uh, my last spot here is still in place. It was actually my. It was the first one I wrote down. It was the one I wanted the most, but I wanted to see if I could last until the end with it. That is the Christmas classic, Gremlins. Mm, yeah. I 
have gone from being scared as shit of this movie. Oh, to I was so scared as a kid. Absolutely loving it. When I was little, I hated anything scary. Like I genuinely, I think I've said it before on this show, like when we were doing our horror month, I genuinely did not like horror movies until I was probably like 18 or 19. Like I didn't Same find them and yeah, I didn't find them enjoyable and now I think they're fantastic. But I remember being in Blockbuster. My dad used to take me to Blockbuster every Friday. And the Gremlin, not even the Gremlins uh, box, but like the box for Gremlins 2 used to scare the hell out of me. Because it was when it was an actual green Gremlins hand ashing a cigar into Gizmo. <laughs> in the, and it, I mean, it rules. It's, it's so great. Chris Columbus wrote it. Um, who's just super famous. Oh, I just went to his IMDb. Uh, he's got a Gremlins 3 in the works. As okay. an executive producer. All right, I'm fine with that. Uh, Joe Dante directed. Uh, I think, did he do both Gremlins? But he did He did a lot of stuff. Like, um, he did the Small Soldiers movie, which, you know, he's done. he does lots of stuff with uh, puppets and puppetry and stuff like that and makes it all look really good. Um, and uh, this movie has, I think, a lot of iconic Christmas scenes. It centers... Uh, you know, in this small town that like looks like it's out of a Christmas postcard almost, and then it just goes absolutely batshit insane, and these little fucking goblins are all over the place murdering people. Um, when they, they are launch, creepy. when they launch that lady out of her chair, her little at her her stairs. Oh chair, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. It's horrifying what they do to these people. Um, yeah, they're definitely uh, creepy. Um, but it's one of those things, I think it's definitely come around to be more funny than scary. Oh, totally. Um, and, I mean, Gizmo is just adorable. Come on. Uh, I don't know if adorable is the right word. Uh, I guess. He's pretty What? Cute. Gizmo? Yeah, he's cute, yeah. Come on. Now, Stripe. Stripe can fuck off. <laughs> yeah. It's Gizmo. Yeah. Uh, Gizmo is I'm, pretty cute. I'm going through the quotes right now, and... Um, Tell me at the end when they like take Gizmo away from him because they're like you're not respect you're res- not responsible enough for him yet, and he gives the little bye bye Billy like your heart's mm. not breaking every time. You're like oh, I know he fucked up a little bit, but can he keep him? Like <laughs> it's so great. Um, and then that movie also has just a ton of little oh shit moments in it where like you kind of think they're gonna get the upper edge and then Spike falls in the pool and all this shit it's and the puppetry still looks great i mean you know it is it is what it is it is what it's supposed to be i don't think it's supposed to look super realistic it's supposed to look like these little fucking goblins are running around the town and i love it i feel like this movie has like a cult following almost to it 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 should and i think it does i think it does too um it's like great. I feel like people like are obsessed with this movie if they're really into it. Like I'm, I'm seeing, I'm, I googled it and like I already see a bunch of people with tattoos of gremlins uh, on them. I don't know if I love it that much. Uh, the scenes where like they're getting the little the the evil gremlins are getting like just trashed in that bar are hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, them, oh my gosh, singing uh, "Hi Ho Hi Ho," it's off to work we go in the movie theater is iconic. Yeah, and then they spill out onto the streets, all singing it, and their work is just this chaos they're causing. It is, it's, 
I, I, I'm actually conflicted on whether or not to include it in our poll next week because I feel like it would classify as something that's not about Christmas, but Christmas is also such a main part of the point and part of the plot. Like, I'm pretty sure Spike spends half the movie wearing a Santa hat. Yeah, no, Gremlins is totally a Christmas movie. You So you don't think it belongs on a poll? No, it, it does. <laughs> on uh, Well, of Christmas movies that aren't about Christmas. Oh, um... I don't know. I, I think Gremlins is more of a Christmas movie than Die Hard. Okay. Well, I'll leave it off then. Um, we'll figure out something else to replace it. I'm, th- I'm thinking something that's actually I, all right. Let's get your. Uh, did you you made a list, right? Did you have a, a longer list than just five? Yeah, I can give some shout outs. Well, yeah. That's. I was gonna say let's get the outside looking in. You know, the honorable mentions, the shout outs. Yeah. Um. So for me, I also had Edward Scissorhands on here. Um, Great one. Yeah, that's just a, a classic. I, I don't think I ever watched that voluntarily. I think it was just like it was either in school <laughs> or in like camp or something. Like we just like it always just was thrown on um, randomly, and I'm just like, okay. But this movie, it's super weird. It's super Tim Burton. Um, I'll never forget the scissor hands. I mean, they're just iconic at this point. Of course, you won't. <laughs> um, yeah, great movie. Um, what else did I have? Any? Uh, Jim Carrey's The Grinch. I mean that's also a classic. Jim Carrey is <laughs> something else in that movie. He is he's definitely not Jim Carrey. Um uh I had Michael Keaton's Jack Frost, the nineteen eighty eight, I think it was, version. Um mm-hmm. sorry, ninety eight. Michael Keaton is he's pretty good in that one. And also the snowman was so creepy in that movie. I just I distinctively <laughs> remember the snowman. It just had that look to him, that evil look. Um, I had Charlie Brown's Christmas. That's obviously a classic. I mean, I'll never forget the music from that. That was one that I was actually going to not allow if it had been chosen. Really? Why? Is it only an hour? It's it's not even that. It's like 30 minutes. Oh, I never realized that. I always thought it was longer. I guess it was commercial yeah. breaks. Commercials. 25 minutes, actually. Really? Mm-hmm. I was not. I was going to be I always thought that was movie length. I guess they just stuff a ton of commercials when you watch that. It's like... Yeah, it, it they they stretched that thing out to an hour for yeah. sure. That's crazy. I um, was gonna n- be a total nerd, stick in the mud, and knock that one out of there because no, it's not gonna be totally, on my list. Yeah, totally <laughs> reasonable. Twenty five minutes? That's not a movie. Does not count. Um, good to know though. I totally forgot about that. Um, and I also had it's a wonderful life. That's another classic on there. Um, but yeah, that was all on my list. I don't really love it's a wonderful life. I've only seen it once, but. It's a classic. I still remember it to this day. So, um, I only have three more left on my short list, actually. So I got pretty much what I wanted, except for the shit that you got from me. But <laughs> uh, I'm I'm happy with my list. I have. I don't know if this is a deep cut for anybody. The 2000 animated movie Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. Do you have any recollection of this movie? I have never heard of that movie. I am going to send you the IMDb page and see if you remember anything from it. Say say the title again. Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer, a movie based off of the song. Oh, I'm just now looking at it. It's a TV movie. It's 51 minutes, so I, under my own rule, I probably wouldn't have counted that. I didn't realize that. Um, this yeah, guy, I've never heard of this. I'm looking it up it, right now. I've never even like seen the poster for this movie. I don't remember what network it ran on, but 
it's like this kid is looking for his grandmother because a, a, a reindeer ran over her and Santa's sled. And they, like, kidnap her and take her back to the North Pole. And he's going to look for her and also find out if Santa's real. I just have these, like, memories of, like, the, the animation style and um, the dog in it. There's a lot of pictures of the dog and, of course, the song. And it's I remember just loving it as a child. I haven't seen it in a very long time. That was going to kind of be a last resort. Um, I have the animated Grinch from 1966. Not oh, the, the, new one. the grandma movie was on the WB network, which is now the oh. CW network. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the Warner Brothers network. Yep. Yeah, that tracks. That totally makes sense. Um, but I had the 1966 How the Grinch Stole Christmas. And that one... Oh, it's 26 minutes. Oh, I'm ki- I'm killing myself with my own rule. Wow. These commercials, man, they get you. They get you. I also, well, I feel like I had this one on VHS as well. But the soundtrack here is, I maybe would have yeah. even just taken the soundtrack. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch, from this is iconic. Oh, yeah. Um, You know, and it's, I, 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 it's been referenced a lot recently in popular culture, too. Um. I feel like, I don't know, this is probably pretty niche for the two of us, but that song that Chance put on, like, the Christmas tape album last year, do you know he added new songs to it or whatever for the streaming release? Yeah, Merry Christmas, and, Little Mama. Yeah, and he was doing those uh, those video clips that go along with the song or whatever. Oh, did he use Grinch? From movies. He used this Grinch when he says this line about the Grinch's heart growing three sizes or something. He used mm. this movie, not the Jim Carrey one. Yeah, and I mean, the, Tyler Creator just made like a whole album about the Grinch. I don't know if he used yeah, that specific movie, but it's, uh, definitely referenced. He, he did that to pair the new Benedict Cumberbatch Grinch movie that came out, actually, in right. like 2018. Mm-hmm. But it still had some of the old like iconic sounds to it. Right, yeah. See, it sampled that one, I mm-hmm. think. Yeah. Um. And yeah, that that Grinch just always really sticks out for me. I think, um, but fuck, it was not allowed under my own rules. And then uh, the last one that I know works is the Ryan Reynolds rom com, Just Friends. I think it's hilarious. I've and never I seen it. Oh man, I don't even watch it around Christmas time. It's Ryan Reynolds is in high school and is like super fat, and then he gets in shape after high school and gets super rich. Oh my god, and, he's so fat. Oh, he's yeah. Um, and Anna Ferris is in it, and she's playing, like, this pop star, and she's really funny. And, you know, it's a uh, guy goes away as a nerd, gets made fun of, comes back, and looks like Ryan Reynolds and is running the town over Christmas break. It's everybody's it's it's, it's everybody's uh, hometown revenge dream after they go away for college. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, these um, fat photos are pretty ridiculous and it's uh and it's small town too so like i can kind of like i think for me the the biggest part of it is relating to even though i go to college in the same town i grew up you know it's pretty different when it's in school versus when it's out of and when you meet up with all your high school friends at the bar like the night before thanksgiving or the week of christmas you know it is a little bit of like you know you kind of side-eyeing everybody see where everybody's at see who's lost weight who's gained weight who's doing if anybody's doing a little better than you are you know you don't want to be the guy who's turned out the worst from your high school group of friends yeah and also i think there's a lot of like there's a lot of like the like 
coming back in town and people like hooking up with their old high school crushes and stuff all over this movie. It's so funny. It's great. Yeah, I mean, Ryan uh, Reynolds is definitely it's an iconic role for him. <laughs> um, oh my god, it's a it's he's hilarious in it. It's really one of his funniest movies. 2005 too, so like that's rom-com era. Yeah, and I feel rom-com. like this one they kind of let him this is this is when he's I think he started becoming Ryan Reynolds, you know, as a char- like Ryan Reynolds just playing himself. Right. Yeah, his persona developed. Cuz yeah, I mean, he hadn't had huge stuff um, before then. He's great in it, though. It's very, very funny. It's crazy how far he's come in 20 years, basically. was the same. It was a year after Blade Trinity and the same year as Waiting, which are... The world are we doing over there? Sorry. Um, same, same year as Waiting, which are two, some of his more niche roles. Um, it's really good. Yeah. All right. That was a good. That was a good first run at this segment. All right. So let's uh let's read off our list one more time. All right. So Gators. I'll go first. So I got the Home Alone franchise one and two specifically, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, the Polar Express. There's no remake, right? There's only one Polar mm, Express. That's it. Uh, that's yeah. actually pretty shocking that there hasn't been a remake of that movie yet. It came out in 2004. Still, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, maybe it's coming. We can't touch that movie. 25th anniversary or something. Um, I don't know. I mean, we've touched a lot of classics, man. I think it's coming. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll riot over the Polar Express. <laughs> uh, Bad Santa, Die Hard, and Merry Christmas, Drake and Josh. And, uh, and then I went with National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, The Muppet Christmas Carol, the Santa Claus franchise, Elf, and rounded out with Gremlins. I'm happy with my list. I got I got stuff that meant a lot to me. I'm I'm very happy with this. Yeah, those are two solid lists. All right. And yeah, so you're you're gonna post on Twitter, and we can uh, vote on who's the best. Yes, uh, we are not allowed to vote. Yes. I guess it wouldn't matter because we'd vote for ourselves. Yeah. And make it even. <laughs> um, but. Yeah, we'll f- we'll let the people decide who had better taste in Christmas movies and whose childhood is relevant. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, so let's take a break, and then we'll talk about Catch Me If You Can. Let's do it. Hey, everybody. It's Bo here to tell you about our sponsor, Album Book Club. It is a book club, but, you know, for albums and Uh, They have weekly picks that they put out on their Twitter, at Album Book Club 1, and they uh, have curators that choose picks week by week. Uh, It can range from hip-hop to bluegrass to death metal to indie to pop. It's all over the place. Uh, It's a great way to discover new music. I've been following them and working with them for quite some time. They also put out their magazines on albumbookclub.com. They just put out an issue with Osar and Paris Price. Uh, they have great merch over there. It's all great-looking stuff. Um, definitely check them out. Give the Twitter a follow. Give the page um, a look. It's great stuff. You're not going to be disappointed. Good way to discover music. Let's get back to the movie. And welcome back. We are moving on, forging ahead. We had a f- lot of fun with that game, but now it's time to get down to what we really do here. 
talk about our movie of the week. And I'm a little upset at the voters because Batman <laughs> Returns lost. I was so excited to talk about Danny DeVito's flipper hands. Oh, was hyped gross, up. How gross he is in that movie. I was like ready to watch it as soon as I put the poll out. I thought there's no shot it loses. And it got beat out by Catch Me If You Can. Our audience is very unexpected. Really, it's been throwing me off recently. I'm, I like I'm it, shocked. though. Keep it coming. I do, too. Keep the surprises coming. It makes me a little worried for next week because <laughs> I really want to. <laughs> Dude, if, I, you say it, if you say what movie you want to watch right now, it's, we're not going to watch it. That's why I almost said it, but I really want to talk about one of these movies, and I hope it gets picked, but I feel like it might not. Um I don't know, and this is something we can talk about later. I don't think we need to get into it as much now, but I don't know if Catch Me If You Can. This some, I'll, put, I'll frame it like this. This is something that we can think about as we discuss. I don't know if Catch Me If You Can won because people think of it as a really good Christmas movie or if people just really like this movie. Do you think now we a... will move on. We okay. will go past that. Okay. Um, give me your, give me your, uh, your stuff. Right. Do it. Do the thing. <laughs> um, Forgot how to talk. Yeah, so we watched the movie Catch Me If You Can by the Steven Spielberg. Um, this movie is based on a true story. Um, I actually read that the actual guy it's based off of, this is actually a tamer version than what actually happened. The... The real guy, um, Frank, he was actually way more crazy than this movie leads on to be, which is actually pretty wild. Um, but barely 21 yet, Frank is a skilled forger, forger who has passed as a doctor, lawyer, and pilot. FBI agent Carl becomes obsessed with tracking down the con man who only reveals, who only reveals in the pursuit. Um, so yeah, it's directed by Steven Spielberg, written by Jeff Nathanson. Uh, Frank Abigail Jr., who wrote the book, who which is what the story is based on, um, and Stan Redding, who actually wrote another book called Catch Me If You Can, based on the same story. Um, but yeah, mostly Jeff Nathanson. Um, this movie stars Leonardo DiCaprio, Tom Hanks, Christopher Walken, Martin Sheen, Amy Adams. Um, yeah, that's, that's a pretty stacked cast, as is. Um Elizabeth Banks makes a little appearance. Um, Jennifer Garner also makes an appearance. Um, so yeah, a lot of a lot of big names in this movie. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a biography crime drama, I guess, it's a thriller. Yeah, straight pretty straightforward stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so this movie had a fifty-two million dollar budget, and it grossed one hundred and sixty-four million six hundred fifteen thousand three hundred and fifty-one dollars domestically. What about sense? Um, I didn't go down that far. Three hundred fifty-two million worldwide, so you know five hundred million total. Pretty, pretty good stuff from a fifty million dollar budget uh, in two thousand two. Pretty, pretty good. You know Spielberg. This is also uh, Spielberg's prime too. Right, Spielberg. Uh, we we'll get to that in a second because Spielberg was really hitting it hard around this time, um, and it's a major cast. It's got even for the time like. Obviously, it's got some unknowns that are super famous now, but um, for the time, it had some huge names. You know, Tom Hanks. Who do you think were the arch. unknowns? I, I don't think Amy Adams was particularly a household name. 
Sure. Yeah, I guess Amy Adams. That would be the only one I would say. Um, what was Elizabeth Banks' biggest role until then? Wet Hot American Summer? Fair, like, fair. Yeah. Um, but she also just had like a small little cameo. But yeah, I get your point. Um, you know, that's the. I think those are the people now that we kind of look at more as, oh shit, they're in this movie. Like that's cool. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> um, but I, it was. Uh, and I'm looking at it right now. Jennifer Gardner really hadn't had a ton of stuff. Yeah, I still she had think Pearl she was. Pearl Harbor. Yeah, I think she, people knew who she was though. Um, she was in Dude, Where's My Car? She was in mm-hmm. Fantasy Island for an episode. Mr. Magoo. Mr. Magoo. <laughs> um, she wasn't super super famous, but. Uh, I mean, you knew her after this movie. Yeah. Uh, but it was really well received. I mean, it's got a 75 Metacritic. It was nominated for two Oscars, which were Best Actor in a Supporting Role, uh, which was Christopher Walken, and Best Music, which was John Williams, the icon. Um, mm-hmm. Ebert liked it a lot. He said it's not a major Spielberg film, which is I, – I feel like – I'll talk, I'll get to that in a second. He said it's not a major Spielberg film. Um, it doesn't plumb very deeply for significance. The story is good and direct, and the meaning comes from the irony that the only person who can appreciate Abigail's accomplishments is the man trying to arrest him. Hmm. Uh, and it hits really heavily on that. Their little phone conversations every Christmas, you know, it's, it's, it, Tom Hanks hits it right on the head when he says, you don't have anybody else to call. Because nobody else, even though his dad, you know, pulls off cons and stuff, his dad's a lot more small time. His dad's also kind of given up on it. Nobody's going to appreciate it like Tom Hanks's character. Yeah, you know? and what was interesting is in the real story, he never talked to his dad after he left. Once he ran away, that was the last time he's contacted his dad. So wow. it was interesting that Spielberg put that back in. That's that's very interesting because mm-hmm. my uh, my letterbox review of it, I decided not to do. I'll do a long one sometimes and. But sometimes if I come up with a funny one line, like, I'll just do that. Um, I wrote, <laughs> I think I sent this to you in a text. Hang on. I'm actually going to go pull it up because I want to make sure that I can. Oh, right. yeah, yeah. Because it made me laugh at myself, which I do often. Um, where's my review of it? Oh, it said, this is definitely one of the most complex Parent Trap remakes I have ever seen. <laughs> um because that's what it feels like at points. I think they leaned a little too heavily on that, honestly, uh, just to, like, critique it a little bit. Like, I get that he's a young kid when he runs away. He's 16 when he runs away, or 15 about to turn 16, something like that. And he's doing all this stuff. It's like, he's like, oh, okay, now, now that you have your car back, you can go see, see mom. Now that, now that I'm getting married, you can go see mom. Look at all this money I have. Okay, we can get mom back together. What's mom think about this? All this stuff. And... Well, you, he's go ahead. What? Well, I know it's divorce. The, a lot of this is, you know, divorce is obviously very traumatic. It doesn't matter what age, but I think with somebody who ends up getting this much world experience and living on his own in all these situations, I get that he wants his parents to get back together and doesn't want to accept it. But like, it seems almost unrealistic that he wouldn't accept it. And this isn't even something that was based off a real story anymore. Like that's what I was chalking it up to is, oh, I can't critique this because it's what actually happened. Now, knowing that, I can really kind of give it hell. I mean, yeah, but I feel like the whole point was that when he was... Well, before I say this, um, 
Spielberg's parents got divorced in real life around the same time um, Frank Abigail's did, and I think that's why he resonated with this movie so much. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, and Spielberg has um, said publicly before that he like resented his parents a lot for that divorce and always wanted them to come back together, and that was like his big thing for a while. Oh. Um, so I think that's why he he did that, especially in the movie, and focused on that a lot. Um, but also, I feel like um i get what you're saying but i feel like the whole movie he doesn't like he's going through all these like different personas but he doesn't have his own persona like he's like hiding from himself Uh, almost the whole time he's like he's hiding with this like mask or this this uh profession or whatever to the point where he just like has no idea who he is or like what he wants in life or whatever and because he's just thinking about getting his parents back together and once that happens then he'll figure all that out you know I guess, yeah, the Spielberg stuff makes it make a lot more sense, I guess, because he got the chance to make this movie about a kid that got divorced around the same exact time, and mm-hmm. he's like, okay, but this time I'm going to try and do something about it. Well, now, okay, well, now I feel like a dick. Cause <laughs> this, is a, like, this in, is a very personal movie for Spielberg, I feel like. Right. Now, now the, with it, literally, uh, my entire lens is just shifted. <laughs> I appreciate it much more, and now I kind of see it as he, it's him facing his own reality that no matter what he could have done, his parents were always going to get divorced and he couldn't get them back together. Right. That makes it make a whole lot more sense to me now. <laughs> yeah. Like viewing. Uh, wow. I'm very glad I found that out because I can appreciate that a whole lot more. Yeah. Like, so I understand why it's not like fully true. Like why he didn't stick with like the hardcore right. facts in the, in the movie. Cause he, he kind of imported his own like personal life into it. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, he, he's telling himself he could have gone through all these fantastical lengths. Mm-hmm. and it still wouldn't have happened okay that's great i like that now okay <laughs> wow that's amazing um speaking of spielberg what a time to be alive for steven spielberg man yeah. is it ever a bad time to be steven spielberg i mean we say we that well we can say like this is his peak all we want you know he, he's always got a peak uh, He's all, Ready Player One made a shit ton of money. <laughs> yeah, but quality, I don't know if we're counting that as peak. <coughs> I don't like that movie very much. Um, yeah, so I don't think... Yeah, I don't think anyone thought that was his peak but when that movie came you, out. Well, no, I know, but I'm just saying he's never losing, is my point. You want to talk about, though... That I wouldn't even call this his peak, but it's definitely a, 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 a mountain. Yeah. He put out Catch Me If You Can in Minority Report this year. Mm-hmm. I mean that's insane. He's yeah. coming. This is four years after Saving Private Ryan. He just took a he took a break off of that. Um, what was Jurassic your Park. What was your introduction to Spielberg? What was your first Spielberg movie? Oh man, I don't even know. It's E. T. Probably. Yeah, that was mine. I feel like that's everybody's. It depends on really how early my dad showed me indiana jones i don't it's probably close between those two yeah i think it was et then jurassic park and then indiana probably jurassic park is up there for me too those three all around the same time mm-hmm. um i mean he's just a, a a staple oh for sure he's probably the number one filmmaker in the world yeah um i mean his his production credits too just everything he's had a hand in is mm-hmm. just ridiculous um he produced men in black he didn't i don't think he directed it but he produced that another iconic i think part of my childhood was Um, this peak leo too 
No, no, no. It's not peak Leo. I mean, I, one I of his could... peaks. Yeah, obviously he has a lot. Or was it like a like a mountain? Or like... yeah, like kind of like Spielberg. I feel like it kind of yeah. was. He was very um, hot around this time. What was around here? Um, wasn't Gilbert Grape around here? Right. Uh, Gilbert Grape was around here. I mm-hmm. just can base that. The Departed, the Aviator. What was Departed? Two years later, two thousand four. Two thousand six. Two thousand six. So a little later, but still. Uh, I'd put Aviator around there. So it's yeah, Aviator is two thousand four. If you want to look right around it, it's Aviator, Catch Me If You Can, and Gangs of New York in that same year. Mm-hmm. Um, Gilbert Grape was way earlier than that. Um, he had come off Titanic already. Uh, when was Romeo and Juliet? That was 96. Okay. So th- that's uh, about, he's the same distance. Or no, it's, that's a little bit before. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the beach. He's, he's, it's, it's, it's like a uh, Spielberg though. He's never, yeah, he's got waves. Not I would call his peak. Wolf on Wall Street. No, I'm going 2010. What was 2010? Inception and Shutter Island. Yeah, I I feel like Wolf on Wall Street really got him. This tip. You can up. either you can do either. I think it's either Inception and Shutter Island, or you do 2012, 2013, which is Django and Great Gap or Django, Great Gatsby, mm. and Wolf of Wall. Actually, I'll give it. To, I'll give it 2012, yeah. 2013. Yeah, and then he had Revenant two years later. Um, none of those are my favorite Leo role though. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I think is mine. He's so really? freaking good as Rick Dalton. I mean, it's unreal. Yeah, well, that's that's another pod. That's another pod. Um, but I, I really loved him in this one too. I thought he did a he's tremendous great. job. He basically he's, had to play like ten personalities. He's he's very, and this is something you could say about a lot of his movies. But I think it's even more so here. He's very charming and likable in it, which oh, yeah. is obviously a part of the character because he has to be to pull off all these schemes. He's very much a smooth talker, mm-hmm. and he convinces you to like him. Uh, I couldn't see anyone else playing this role. No, I couldn't either. Maybe, maybe like uh, maybe young Brad Pitt. I don't know. Brad Pitt uh, could do it, but a big part of this character is that he's from New York, and Brad Pitt's from fucking Missouri. Yeah, so I yeah. don't think. I don't Leo got the think accent. That worked too well. Um, and I don't, I don't want to get stuck in the comparing Leo to Brad thing all the time. Um, who's another? Uh, Toby Maguire around this time. Eh. You know. He couldn't do, but that's what I'm saying. Is he's another big name actor around this time? I don't think maybe he could Damon. Do it. Damon, I could see. You know who I could see doing this? Um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, if they had made it. Yeah, later. yeah, totally. He's a smooth he talker. He'd be good at it. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but overall, like thinking about Spielberg's movies, I feel like this is definitely one of his most rewatchable films. It's it's not a rewatchable in the same sense as E.T., Indiana Jones, Jurassic Park, any of that stuff, but it is a very easy watch. I will definitely say that. Yeah, no, I feel um, like every time I've seen this movie, I, I don't know, I, I find it re- as entertaining as the first time I watched it. No, it's uh, it's definitely like a super easy to throw it on, jump into it anywhere type of movie. I'm, I, I just, it, it feel it doesn't feel like a Spielberg movie, though, to me. Yeah, this is definitely the least Spielbergy movie. Um, a lot, but also uh, ironically, his most personal. A lot of Spielbergy movie. A lot. Of, the most Spielbergy movies I feel like are trying to give you this sense of wonder. 
you know? Yeah. And they're try it's like very I hope he has much- a little more warmth too. Yeah, it's his his I feel like a lot of his biggest movies in that sense are literally like trying to be like, Hey, you're at a movie. Feel the fucking magic. Like Yeah. We're gonna make you fall in love with this gross, slimy alien and you're gonna cry. <laughs> hey, you wanna see a heartwarming movie that's actually about dinosaurs tearing everybody apart, but in the end we find out how much family means, like <laughs> You well, know? the thing is, and like in this movie, it kind of had that like sense of like, it definitely had that like '90s dreamy wonder feel to it for the yeah. first two thirds of the movie. Um, as soon as he goes on the plane out of the country, that's when it takes a huge turn and gets like pretty dark pretty fast. It gets a lot darker. Yeah, um, but I feel like that the first two thirds, it does have that like Spielberg like dreamy wonder feel to it because it's just so insane that he's actually doing this. You know, it feels like a movie because of how ridiculous it is. Um, it does a really good job too of, and this is not to compare everything to Heat. I think I've mentioned it in every pod. It's something that Heat does. It's it's does a very good job of getting you to root for both main characters. You want Leo to get away, but you also really want Frank or Tom Hanks to catch him. Like, mm-hmm. you know, because in your head, you're like, ah, Leo's just this kid and he's in a really stressful situation and now he's in over his head. But then you look at it from Tom Hanks perspective and it's like, this guy's a mastermind and they might have started off as in over his head, but he knows what he's doing now. And like, he's causing some problems. Like, we got to do something about this. Yeah. And I feel like over time you start to realize how similar they are, too, because yeah. they're, they're both very lonely people and they kind of need each other. They don't uh, have families. Yeah, exactly. And so now here's uh, a question that I had for you. Um, is, was, in the well, in the movie, obviously, is Leonardo DiCaprio really in love with Amy Adams? I think so, totally, yeah. I think that's when he, like, kind of discovered what, like, love was. And that's when he kind of, like, understood what his parents were going through. Or more of his dad, what was going through, because he understood like what heartbreak almost was in the same sense. It seemed a little bit to me at first like... I think at first, no, but I think over time he fell in love with her. I don't I think, think it was, it was during that initial talk they had at the front desk. I think it was an infatuation maybe, and then kind of another play that he could make. Because the Although, thing is, why would he care about meeting up with her after he runs away? You know, like you really wanted her to come, you know, and when so, she came and he figured out they were following her, um, he got really disappointed, you know. So here's where I'm conflicted, because you can not, I, I, you can never really trust what this character says in the movie, just knowing what type of character he is. There's a few points, I think, where he is being very genuine. A lot of those are surrounding his parents. And a lot of those are moments uh, with Tom Hanks's character, especially towards the end. But part of me was thinking with this Amy Adams character is that it was a pl- at one point it was a play to like, oh, this is something my parents can reunite at, at a wedding thing. And then uh. when he wanted her to come with him, I, I, he, I think he had an attachment to her. I think he did have an infatuation with her. I think he liked her. I think he didn't want to be lonely anymore, be alone anymore. He didn't want to have to call Tom Hanks every Christmas because that's the only person he has who can talk to and appreciate him. This girl appreciated him. This girl liked him, albeit a part of him that did not really exist 
So then he just takes the risk. He's like, all right, let's see what she thinks about all this money and shit. She goes along with it. He's like, okay, I don't know if he truly loved her. I think maybe he thought he did. I think maybe he really liked being around her. And he was just like, all right, I can retire and I can have somebody to hang out with me. Yeah, I do agree with the loneliness part. That does make sense. That's a little bit more of a, I think, a cynical way to look at it. But I think that's also weirdly become the way I start to look at a lot of movies recently. Which is really d- different for me. I'm usually like looking for the best in everybody in every movie, but I don't know. I just I'm I'm f- kind of forced to think about it that way for some reason. No, yeah, it does make sense. Um, because oh no, because I was gonna say during that time they were like dating before they were married. He never called Carl, but he did call Carl I think once. Um. Yeah, and they really. I mean, they weren't particularly together for too long. Yeah, it's pretty fast. I mean, I, they aren't very clear on the time, but I know for a fact that the time from their first kiss to the time that he proposed or said, like, what if I asked your father to marry you like, or something like that was not very long because their first kiss and then, like, he sees the kid with the broken leg and then he's in bed with her. So, like, that obviously would have moved very quickly. Yeah, um, he, wasn't, he wasn't lasting being a doctor for that long. <laughs> no, he could not do that. Steven Spielberg's hook was a classic. All right, moving on. <laughs> Um, moving on. Uh, this is the most important, urgent question that I actually had written down. Um, is Leonardo DiCaprio's beard in the French prison <laughs> real? Yeah, I, w- I went back and looked at it. Uh, I knowing Leo, I feel like it is. I feel like he but would be dedicated enough to grow it out, you know. But he, would he be okay with himself having such a shitty-looking beard? I mean, that's the point. It should be shitty. He's in this German, disgusting cell. It's French. French, sorry. Um, but yeah, it's gross. Like he, the point was for him to look disgusting. He was coughing all over the place. I don't know, man. If I'm looking at that beard and then I'm looking at the Revenant beard, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not seeing the, the roots. Of Leo a was a kid beard. back then. I. So that's why I'm thinking, like, he really wasn't though. He was not an actual child. No, nah, yeah. He was, he was, this came out in 2002. 20s, right? He, I mean, yeah, I think he was in his 20s. He was born in 1974. Oh, okay. So he's four years younger than my father. He's 46 right now. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean. Yeah, I don't know if it was real. So I mean, he's 28. Yeah, maybe 28. for production costs, too. They, they probably just that had looks, to stick it on. That looks glued on yeah. to me. Um. I'm hoping that's not a real beard, man. Or they is... like they like shaved it uh, in like weird spots over time. I don't know. I looked at it. T- I zoomed in. Uh. <laughs> uh. Oh my god! Here's what I found. What Siri? Shush. Um, God, that's a gross beard. <laughs> um, do you like Amy Adams in this movie? I thought she was great. Yeah, I feel like we don't see her in this type of role. Especially yeah, playing this like young, like uh, nerdy child, you know. Especially the braces too, like. Yeah. She's very, you know, innocent and mm-hmm. can kind of confused about what's going on. Yeah, and like especially the scene where like Leo leaves her, um, and she starts like breaking down. You can really feel her emotion there. Yeah, I mean, I think I think at that point, I feel like she got out of that car crying a little bit on purpose so he hoping he would see her and know something was off yeah i mean i feel like i think part of it was 
he she hoped that he got caught for his own benefit kind of what carl was thinking the whole time mm-hmm. um but also like sad that they couldn't like run away together because she was obviously forced into doing that yeah i sad. liked her a lot I, I liked her a lot though i love i mean i'm we've talked about this on here before i've i've amy adams is a star so it's hard not mm-hmm. to like her in anything she does she's incredible she has she's still not won an oscar right yeah and with the movie she's making right now man she might not no, she 100% deserves an Oscar. It's insane. She does, she's like Leo, she's, basically. She she does, but she's been making bad movies. She was in Dear Evan Hansen. Yeah. Did you see the woman in the window? It was terrible. I got that, but she, she was she's in got Hillbilly in her, Elegy. She was in Hillbilly Elegy. She should have won for her rival. She should have. That's the biggest robbery of all time. This is totally a different pod. I will never not be upset at that. Oh, 100%. Also, I I thought she was incredible in her, too. Yeah. Um, But yeah, Arrival specifically. Like, it's incredible she did not. The problem with Arrival is she wasn't even nominated. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I do not even recognize that performance. I would have been happy to forever struggle with la la land emma stone versus arrival amy adams mm-hmm. two fantastic performances but the academy didn't even give me that chance yeah but the point is she, is she should have an oscar right now um it's her c- career defining role mm-hmm. god it's a fucking tragedy she's making a movie called she's in pre-production for a movie called night bitch <laughs> i love that she is the only name attached to this movie. The premise is a stay-at-home dog. A stay-at-home mom begins to worry that she may be turning into a dog. That sounds amazing. This at this this Oscar's not coming soon. And hey, I'm, this could be it. My <laughs> night bitch. Night bitch. My my stock in Amy Adams is just. I'm watching it plummet. Um, I love any movie where I can get some weird Christopher Walken. You think he's weird in this movie? I think he's weird in every movie, man. I don't know. I I think he's pretty normal in this one. He plays a normal dad who gets heartbroken by his wife. Yeah, but man, he's like that. He's like he's an old sly con artist too in the beginning. He kicks it off with two little mice fell in a bucket of cream. (laughs) (laughs) Anytime we get a weird monologue out of him, I love it. And then it's uh, he just says it so many times in that movie. I am. That second mouse. <laughs> like, it's so great. Uh, yeah, but, like, the whole necklace trick he does that he taught Leo. I don't know. The necklace trick is good. Um, I mean, but, man, it's great. It's I feel so for funny. him in this movie. Um, He's a terrible, does a terrible job at being the father of a man on the run because he just leaves his letters out in the open. <laughs> yeah. Um, He's got his own shit he's got to deal with. He does have his own shit he's got to deal with. Man, um, this is – I know we're on the cast. Uh, real quick before we move on to the actual Christmas parts of this plot, what uh, – I, okay, I the mom in this movie sucks. I don't even really want to talk about that character. but I mean, yeah, she's a shitty person. It's terrible, man. It, that one really hurts you. That's a, such a gut punch. Yeah. 
and what is overall a pretty fun movie, I feel like. But man, that one hits you hard. Um, so Leo not telling his dad immediately about like what happened there, like, whew, that one hurt. I mean, would you? I think so. I don't want to like make up a scenario in my head where my mother is cheating yeah. on my father. But I feel like I oh, know it probably do... resembled what Spielberg went through the most. Yeah, maybe. Um, I'm just saying. I feel like in any situation, like it, 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 I think if somebody hurts s- s- or does something to hurt someone you love that much, um, even if that person doing the hurting is somebody you love, and this is very a weird deep place. I didn't think we would take this podcast. I think you kind of have like a duty to that person to yeah, tell an them, obligation. and not like just continue masquerading in it because at that point like it's also your fault i feel like yeah but it's tough because leo was a kid too yeah i know you don't know what to do in that situation, yeah like but... he's just as like perplexed you know and this is obviously a situation i can't speak to because i've never been in it before and i think that's why he um, runs away too because he, he can't right. handle it but that's not even over the decision to like tell his dad that his mom's been cheating that's just to choose the custody thing which i totally understand that um, yeah brutal but I think at 16, you have to know the right thing to do is to tell your dad. Especially because his dad's going through, like, so much hard stuff and the IRS is on him. And, yes, it's probably his doing because we know that he's a con man. And it's probably the IRS, like, you know, getting what they're owed because the IRS always wins. Um, (laughs) uh, You can't just let... I mean, you know, like, you can't let this keep happening behind your dad's back. Like, you have to, like, be like, hey, man, I know we're really piling it on right now, but I got to tell you about what I saw mom doing. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Uh, Fortunately, I cannot relate. Yeah, me too, man. Ooh, that's a tough one. All right. Uh, So, this is, I feel like, a very loose Christmas movie all throughout. You know, the Christmas scenes... Every Christmas, he's talking to Tom Hanks on the phone. I kind of love that. Yeah. And then it it pinnacles at the end with, um, on Christmas Day, Tom Hanks catches him in France, and Leo's having just doing this amazing manic performance every year on Christmas Day. It's amazing, like freaking out. And offering him beans and all this stuff, and he's all over the place, and, you know, I can't do that. I can't, I think you're lying to me. I can't put myself in cuffs, you know, all this stuff. Yeah. It's so great. That's when you realize he's really, like, down in the hole. It's making me, but it's making me smile, though, because, like, I can't help but watch that and be like, for one, it is amazing that they keep meeting on Christmas. And for two, Leo's doing such a good job, and even though it's a really low point for his character, it looks like he's having a ton of fun with it. Oh, yeah. Totally. Um. And then um, I feel like the Christmas thing really, really hits home when he sees his mom with her new family. Yeah, you see them celebrating Christmas. The lights are all out. It's snowing. You know, Christmas is such a family-oriented holiday, um, as as much as Thanksgiving is. Uh, and every – I mean, there's few Christmas movies that aren't associated with family things. You know? Yeah, it's all about Even, family. Like, even the Gremlins, to a point, is about this little family. And so, and then a family of goblin monsters that takes over this town for the night. But then he sees, all he's wanted is to have this 
perfect dream family. It gets interrupted by the IRS and people coming for his father because he owes the money. And then it gets interrupted by himself going on the run. He has nobody. He thinks he finds a wife. Finally gets back to his mother's house, finds out his father's dead, gets to his mom, and she's got the perfect dream family that he always wanted. And he's surrounded by Christmas decorations. The ultimate symbol. And, well, I'm getting there. The ultimate symbol of family. And then he realizes that his mother doesn't really care about him anymore. His family is gone and he goes into the arms of the only person that he thinks cares about him or that really even does care about him, which is Tom Hanks, FBI director, director, the detective. And it's like, he says, get me out of here. Yeah. And I love that Carl knew exactly where he went. Yep. They immediately went to his childhood home, man. It is, this is a depressing Christmas movie. It, yeah, but redeemed, I, I think the ending, yeah, it redeems itself at the end. It redeems itself at the end, and you you do feel happy for him because he does get the family that he wants, mm-hmm. and he's also making millions of dollars, so, you know, whatever. Yeah. He, gets that, he gets that back, and he stays friends with uh, Tom Hanks' character, uh, or I guess the version of him in real life because they didn't use his real name because he was still the FBI when this movie came out. Um, and, I mean, so you do feel bad. You feel bad he went through all of that as a child, but it, at the end it does have a, a happy ending, a quote-unquote happy ending. For sure, yeah. Um, I liked it a lot, man. Uh, yeah, it's it, your first time watching it, right? It was my first time watching it. I, I had started it before, and, like, for some reason I was like, yeah, I'm just not. You know, you ever turn on the movie and you're just like, I can't do this right now. You yeah. Know? Like, I'm just not. You got to be in the mood. mood. Yeah. Which is rare because I usually watch, like, a movie at night. But um, I turned it on. I was like, yeah, I'm just not feeling it right now. And so this time I'm glad I finally got to get around to it. And I'm glad I finally got to stick through it and watch it. Um, yeah. I've, Thanks to the fans. I enjoyed it. Yes. I would have really liked to talk about Batman Returns, but I'll do Catch Me If You Can. Um, yeah. It's a nice little cat and mouse story. It is. Uh, I will say this is one thing that I did not uh, get to. I love – the way Steel Spielberg, the way Spielberg <laughs> decided to do the opening credits. Oh yeah, and, like it looks just like you know the posters for like old older detective movies. And so we actually, silhouettes. yeah, we actually studied the opening credits in school um, for uh, my animation class. This is like the pinnacle of opening credits for a movie. This is what people look to. You um, think? Yeah, or is, is it, that what it's determined as? Um, well, at least in my school, it's what they taught me. Um, <laughs> But yeah, we study it because of how, like, it's incredibly well done. Like, the score is perfect. It completely, like, lays out the story in this creative way. Yep. It's very unique. The colors are beautiful. Um, it was just, like, very entertaining. Like, I wouldn't, like, if that was, if this was a TV show and that played in the beginning, I would never skip it. It's just, it's fun to watch. It, with the, with the colors and, you know, obviously the little stick figures chasing each other, mm-hmm. it lets you know not only what the story is going to be, it's this detective cat and mouse type movie. I mean, it tells you exactly where it's coming from. You know, this like the detective stories is something that has been around Hollywood forever. And that's the kind of the type of intros that they would use. I feel like vertigo used similar coloring, you know, that's a detective story. And the poster looks very similar to that. Like it looks like, you know, posters and stuff from that kind of, classic golden age of cinema yeah um when everything really well right when everything was just coming into color and that's the stuff that would stick out the most like you know i think the james bond color palettes from uh that time is a very 
good representation of what I think this was kind of going for. It kind of feels yeah. uh, almost classic James Bondy. It did have a James Bond feel to it. It's great. It's it is pretty genius. Uh, just like everything Spielberg does. <laughs> this is very quickly turned into the like he just he prays at the altar of, of Spielberg uh, podcast. I concur. Uh, yeah, I mean it's hard not to, man. Do he you does... concur? <laughs> Do you concur? I was crying, laughing. Oh man, I blew it. I should have concurred. Do you concur? <laughs> when he said I, I should have concurred. I was crying, laughing. Oh god, I was really. Good. Man, that scene also really <laughs> makes you catch your breath, and you're like, oh my god, he's gonna have to operate on this kid. Yeah. Like, you freak out for um, a second. Do you concur? I'm scrolling through the credits right now, and (laughs) Frank Abengale Jr., stop chasing me. Carl Hanready, I can't stop. It's my job. (laughs) Um, Yeah, they had had great banter back and forth throughout the whole movie. They did. Their relationship is awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, Uh, I I love the bit (laughs) when they're interviewing Frank's mother, um, mm -hmm. and it's like it's Carl and the two dopey policemen. And um, Frank's mother, Frank's mother makes a uh, yeah yeah. Hey. I was like, "What are you doing right now?" Yeah, he's reaching <laughs> for the fork. Yeah, he makes the cake, and the cop just reaches for the fork, and it keeps getting slapped by Tom Sand. <laughs> Get out! No, of here. the best is he finally hands him. Oh the yeah, fork. stabs him. Ends yeah. first, and he's trying to stab him. <laughs> yeah, it's I just so love great. how he just keeps reaching and then pulling away, reaching and pulling away. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> Classic uh, cop moment. Uh, good lord um it's just it had it's little moments like that that really make this movie um there's a and there's a ton of them uh one thing one moment one scene that really i think is just so well done is the anxiety you feel when you're waiting for frank to come back to the office and like you're like carl just give him a little bit longer just give him a little bit longer like come on and then you finally see the feet coming up the hall, and you think he's going to come into the meeting and say, like, sorry, I'm late. And it's another guy coming in saying, sorry, I'm late. That's yeah, good bait and switch. Oh, made me run to rip my hair out. Yeah. Oh, God. Did you think it's after so... that he was not coming back? No, I knew. I figured he was going to come back. I didn't know it. I actually yeah. had, not, had not had this more... more this movie spoiled for me, but I figured since he still looked pretty young when he went on that TV show that he right, was going right. to come back to work. By the way, what a fucking ripoff. They, the start of the movie was the TV show. I thought the whole thing was going to be a plot inside the TV show of him like being like, because you know that show is they're trying to prove which one's the real one or whatever yeah. and see if you can guess which one's the real one. I thought we were going to like get a resolution on that that is a very yeah that's a very interesting opening like they kind of they had that little tv bit and that was it we never saw it again like because that's what triggers the flashback is he's like who's the guy who caught you and he goes carl hannity or hanready and yeah i guess it's to show that he got caught so you have something to like think about the whole time i don't know i don't know i feel like there's supposed to be a bookend when at the end they're like yeah and this is the real frank abengale jr yeah i thought they were going to go back to it at the end but they never did and spielberg is just like eh, they forgot about it (laughs) he probably forgot about it he probably forgot about it well he's busy making the minority report (laughs) that's a complicated movie god this movie and minority report at the same time man that's gotta be stressful 
Yeah. Two big movies. You walk into the editing room and you're like, all right, we need Tom Cruise. <laughs> this is Catch Me If You Can. <laughs> <laughs> He's up, like, just like just slamming coffee. Like. <laughs> An E.T. poster hanging over his shoulder, and he's just running his hands through his hair. <laughs> no, nah, he was probably feeling super hot at that time. He was probably loving himself. It's not like, do anything. Fucking, Top of the world. I'm fucking Steven Spielberg. Yeah. Hey, George Lucas, guess what? You <laughs> yeah. made Star Wars. Well, I'm fucking Steven Spielberg. Exactly. Like, That's how, how I was many movies? Time. How many movies have you directed? <laughs> yeah. I'm about to make two huge movies in a year. Uh, American that. Graffiti, suck my dick. <laughs> It's so good. Oh, man. Do you got anything left on this movie? I kind of don't. I feel like I've exhausted everything I have. No, I mean, like I said, I think it's just ridiculously entertaining, and I think it's very rewatchable. It's an incredible story, first of all, that it's even remotely true. Um, I love the the witty writing. Leo and Hanks give great performances and great banter. Um, And then, yeah, the supporting cast was super great. Yep. That's, I mean... Steven Spielberg, a baller cast and an interesting story. And an uh, incredible it? score from John Williams. John Williams, too. That's just an extra. That's like the this sprinkles. It's definitely on top. one of his more subtle scores. Not as bombastic yeah. as usual you hear from John Williams, but it worked very well. I, um, I went into it like, oh, fuck yeah, John Williams, you know, like mm-hmm. really pumped up about it. And then by the end of it, I'm like, oh, wait, John Williams did the score. Like, I feel like starting it off with that and then like you completely forgetting about it is kind of a key to how good this score is a lot of the time you want a memorable score but for a movie like this i don't think that's necessarily the most important thing totally yeah yeah it's great all right you want to talk about what we're watching next week Um, i got five are we changing it well okay so i did take uh i just took whichever one off Okay. Oh, Gremlins. I took Gremlins off, replaced it with something else, and I also have an alternative for us. So I'm just going to read it off. Right now, what I, we're sitting at is Iron Man 3, The Green Knight, Just Friends, which I just added back in, and Lethal Weapon. And our alternative is Nightmare Before Christmas. So really, Just Friends and Nightmare Before Christmas are the two that can flip-flop. Which would you – which do you – you've never seen Just Friends, so I don't know. Do you want to watch Ryan Reynolds be funny, or would you rather watch – a weird claymation Tim Burton movie. <laughs> Let's do Ryan Reynolds. You want you're in for that? Um, I mean, um, uh, what what do you think our fans would want? Um, Nightmare, dude. I don't know what they'd want. I thought I knew what they wanted every <laughs> week, and then we watch Punch Trunk Love and Catch Me If You Can, and I don't know what the hell's happening. Let's stick this oddball at Ryan Reynolds and see what happens. Yeah, I'll, I'll throw it in. Uh, Nightmare Before Christmas is too played out. Let's do a 2005 classic. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll get that set up as soon as – and i got to get these graphics done. i got to edit this podcast. i got a lot of work to do, man. All you got to do is come on this show and talk. you got to great. <laughs> <laughs> you get to watch a good movie every week and then talk hey, about I it. i got a life, man. <laughs> I do, too. <laughs> All right. Thank you for coming on, buddy. I appreciate you coming on and talking with me every week. Yeah. To end it, I got a joke for you. Oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Are you going to tell me that you're the second mouse? (laughs) No, no. I got something better. Knock, knock. Fuck. (laughs) That's what I was going to do. Knock, knock. No, I'm doing it to you. No, fuck you. (laughs) 